Welcome to The Weekly. My name is Trevor, the host and one of the pastors at the church at Greer Station. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, everybody feels a little bit frantic, a little bit crazy, and a little bit like we're losing our minds and being pulled in a thousand different directions. In fact, you you probably hear my kids running around upstairs right now as I record this. Uh, Today begins the first of two episodes where I I speak with Zach and Sarah Gilliam about a really helpful book entitled Three Big Questions for Frantic Families. Part one of, of this conversation, we talk about some of the causes of this frantic pace and kind of this feeling of chaos. And then we, we begin discussing the, the first two of the three big questions. hope that you give this episode a listen, and I hope that it's helpful for you. And just kind of a, a, a word, uh, pardon the audio quality. We had some sec- technical difficulties, so it's, it's a little less than ideal. But nevertheless, I hope you enjoy part one and are uh, and, and encouraged by it. All right, Zach and Sarah, welcome. Good morning. Hello. How are you guys? I'm good. Good. Uh, so, uh, Zach, glad to have you. Sarah, glad to have you. Tell us, what do you guys do, and what is your role at the Church of Your Station? So, I'm a financial advisor uh, with Wells Fargo, and uh, at the Church of Your Station, I'm, I'm a lay elder and a small group leader, um, and a handful of other things, I guess, as needed. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sarah, and I stay at home with our kiddos and homeschool, and... At the Church of Greer Station, I assist in leading a small group and nursery, wherever we're needed, faithful member, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, kind of a yeah variety of other things. Um, so what would be uh, the surprise question for today? What would be some guilty pleasures uh, when it comes to watching YouTube or Amazon Prime or Netflix uh, guilty pleasures may be related to extracurricular activities you did as a child. Um, so this is more for you, Sarah, more specifically for you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that I have anything like that. Sarah always makes fun of me for, I watch a lot of um, how-to videos on YouTube, but I never actually will do the task um, because I'm really probably just not capable of doing it. So, What would be an example? What's a prime example? Oh man, I have dreamed about building so many things. One time I convinced myself that I could build my own sunroom. Um, and I watched a video. They did it in eight minutes. And I was pretty sure I could, I could at least do it in a weekend. But uh, Sarah told me I was not allowed to do Shut that. Shut that down really quick. Yeah, yeah, it's probably wise. What about you, Sarah? All right, this is going to give me away. But I did competitive cheerleading for 10 years as a kid. So I still watch competitive cheerleading videos on YouTube and Instagram and every other social media. And recently, our five-year-old Gabe kind of busted me and said, why do you always watch cheerleading videos? And I said, well, I used to do cheerleading and I would do all the stunts and tumbling. And he very quickly said, oh, you just want to feel that way again? (laughs) And that sort of crushed me and sent me into a midlife crisis that came a little bit early. So... Cool. Well, I guess it kind of feels appropriate, maybe, for the topic at hand today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so a few weeks back, Zach and I, um, we, we were having lunch together, and we kind of revealed that we had both stumbled upon this, a podcast in this particular book, a book called Three Big Questions for Frantic Families by Patrick Lencioni. We both found it to be really, really helpful. So um, after listening to the podcast, I rushed out and immediately bought the book, read through it, and found it to be a really helpful conversa- conversation starter for Emily and I. And Zach said that he found the concepts of the book to be really helpful too. And so I invited them on to come talk about this. And so I want to ask you, why did the concept of this book resonate with you guys? 
Yeah, I, I think for us at this moment, uh, we just find ourselves in a frantic time period. And so um, we, we kind of had a shift in our lives uh, last fall, about six months ago, and we had the introduction of a foster child um, and then found out we were expecting our own. And so uh, really life got more chaotic than it had been, and we just found ourselves treading water. So, so to hear this podcast where um, you know, the author was able to really put some structure and framework around how do you move your family forward really just stood out to us and, and I immediately sent it to Sarah and was like, hey, I need you to listen to this because I think this is something we need to consider doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think same. Like even his description of life at the time like was very relevant to us because he said as he kind of developed the concept for this book, it was like they were expecting their fourth child and we mm. need to get ready for number four. And we are kind of in a similar situation, just found out we're expecting our fourth child and so that hit home especially yeah yeah I'd say for us with the introduction introduction of our third child and with our five-year-old starting school that kind of contributed to just a kind of a I guess a new set of complications that that made things feel frantic this past fall and of course the the frantic holiday season contributed to that um do, do you guys think that we're alone that our two families are alone and feeling frantic we must be <laughs> No. no, you know, it's interesting. We, um, we were thinking through, um, you know, things for this morning and, and just thinking how I think whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids, don't have kids, retired, grandkids, no grandkids, whatever phase of life you find yourself in, you know, there are a thousand things coming at us from all directions. And to be able to put some framework around where are you going, where's your family going, um, how are you moving forward? I think it's just helpful across the board, or else you'll just get caught in the wave. Yeah, so, we always talk about you can either be, uh, you know, like carried by the wave. I kind of have a picture of someone like boogie boarding and just being like tumbling forward, or you can be surfing on the wave. You can have control of where you're going and things like that. So, this helps surf the wave for yeah. us. Zach's into surfing. Oh yeah. Who knew? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the way that we've said it is similar. Is just feeling we we just got really reactive the last several months and uh, wanting to kind of gain some measure of control and like proactivity in our lives. And and, and this book was kind of helpful in providing some concepts and ideas to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think is behind the frantic nature of our lives? Do you think it's the just like myriad of options that we have at all times to do all the things? Perhaps it could be that. I mean, I think. something of particular note in our church is we are not without young children and that feels like a particularly frantic time in our lives and like Zach said there's so many things coming at us from so many different directions a hundred years ago we didn't have the option of um, college and career changes and things like that as much it was kind of like you did what your dad did and um, and that was it but now there are so many different things yeah yeah, I think, too, it just seems like there's a thousand voices coming from all different directions telling you how and why you should do everything. You know, everything in the world gives you cancer. Everything in the world you do is going to screw up your kid, you know, or something. So being able to narrow down and trying to say, I need a framework to help tone out, like, what's meaningful and, like, where what we what the information we need to move our family forward versus just what is just noise that can overwhelm us, basically. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, we've already kind of made mention of this, but what would we say the author's goal is here? Like, what is he encouraging his readers to do with these three big questions? 
Yeah, so in short, um, our understanding is that he kind of encourages you to determine the things that are of greatest value to your family and that make your family kind of unique and then use that as a lens through which you orient your lives. Um, Sort of asking yourself the questions like, where do we want to go as a family? How do we want to be marked as a family? And does this particular thing move us in that direction? Or does it just create more noise that's going to distract us from our goals? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, I think one of the helpful things was he's he's offering uh, these questions to help kind of establish a vision for who your family is and who you want your family to be in order to provide some some guidelines and frameworks for determining what activities and obligations and responsibilities are uh, appropriate for the way that you want your family to operate, almost as a, as a grid for decision-making or a template for decision-making. So what, so what are the three big questions that he encourages each family to ask? Yeah, so the, the three questions are, you know, what makes our family unique? Uh, what's most important to us right now? We call that the rallying cry. And then, um, you know, how will we keep these answers alive? And how will we keep them moving? Okay, so let's let's unpack each of those. First, what makes our family unique? Yeah, so in thinking about this, one of the things that um, the author points out is really to try to narrow down to three at a max specific things that are unique to your family. And he's very uh, clear in saying it's easy when you think about this to sit down and say, you know, what do we want to be? Or you kind of dream about the ideal scenario. And he says, you know, really push back against that and try to just look back in history and say, what, what makes you unique? You know, what has marked your life or your family? You know, how would people describe what's going on? So, um, you know, we, we've sat down and, and I would also say like it's a moving target. You know, we've been talking about this for a handful of weeks now. And we've, we've really hovered around a couple couple topics. And at this point, they seem maybe broad and vague, but I feel like we're... Probably not very unique. But. Yeah, very not, not very unique. But at the same time, uh, we're, we're, we're narrowing those down. You know? So for us, um, you know, our three things, as we said, you know, faith um, would be one. Because we have you know, really tried to orient our lives and our family's lives around our faith and... Um, and in looking at the world through a lens um, uh, of the gospel and and our church and things like that. So faith would be one. I would say family is our other one. And Sarah, maybe you could talk about family. Just I thought you had a good, good way of explaining that. Yeah, yeah. We kind of talked about it in three different categories. Like we want our immediate family to be strengthened in the things that we do. Um, and then we also like have chosen to live near our extended family um, and even go to church with our extended family. So um, for those that don't know, our my parents go to the church at Greer Station. My brother and his wife go to the church at Greer Station. And now Zach's parents have been hanging around. And several people have kind of said, is that okay? Like, do you feel weird about that? And, and honestly, like they asked us the same question, but we feel like not only are they getting to be grandparents to our kids, our kids are also getting to see them in light of like biblical community. And so to mm. us, that is a strengthening of our family and our extended family. And so we feel like that is helpful. Um, we realize not everybody has that in their extended family. And so they're getting to do that for other families in our church. Um, and so to us, that's not only just like a rich spiritual heritage that our kids have, it's, it's a way that our family can extend to the church around us because that was another Another, I think the last thing we said really was like one anothering and hospitality. 
Um, we feel like over the past nine, ten years that we've been married, we just can't get away from people. Like, there's no way around it. <laughs> we keep we keep talking about moving out to the country and looking at land, and we always come back to, well, nobody would come and hang out with us. And that's an important thing to us. So not only, like, our immediate family, our extended family, but, like, if you're with us, your family. That's kind of just the mantra we've taken on. So... Man, Zach, think if you guys moved into the country, think of all of the projects that you could not do <laughs> if you moved out into the country. That's you know? reason number two why we're moving out into the country. Yeah, we, we, I looked at a property one time that had like a wedding venue on it and needed some updates. Really cool barn on like 30 acres with a pond. And I was like, oh man, this is wonderful. Like, little house on the prairie, here we come, mm. you know. And then Sarah quickly reminded me how. Really, every small project I've done at the house without Bobby Ducharme's help has just failed pretty miserably. So think uh, about hanging picture frames that yeah yeah end poorly. Yeah, mm. I don't belong in the country. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can I get that. Yeah, so w- when it comes to asking this initial question, what makes your family unique? One of the things that he he reiterates again and again, or two of the things that he reiterates again and again is, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Like you can, you can feel the temptation to want to nail it down exactly right and express it exactly right and want to get the thing exactly right and result, you know, and the, the result is kind of a paralysis by analysis sort of thing. So this is, this is an exercise to get you thinking kind of directionally. Just think about what you are as a family. And then the second thing that he warned against, you already made reference to, was don't, don't think aspirationally. Don't, don't think about what you want your family to be. Think about what your family is. Um, and, and go from there. Um, at, for Emily and I, we, we've wrestled with it some, and, and we had a date on Thursday. We got some Thai food and, and talked about this. And, and for us, I think the three things that it kept coming down to, pretty similar to you guys, was um, one was enjoying the good life, just enjoying good things. Um, we, we love music. We like to have fun. We like to be silly. We like bonfires. Um, the, the second thing is uh, generosity and hospitality. Just always wanting to be really open-handed and, and open-homed, so to speak. And then the other thing is learning and just like growing in, in uh, Christ-likeness and growing in just our knowledge of, of the world and growing in wisdom. And so we've been thinking about how to, how to piece that together and how we can kind of express that. But I think we're, we're kind of beginning to land the plane on what makes our family unique. And, and it's already been... And it was kind of fun to just kind of sit and, and reminisce about mm-hmm. good experiences and about the things that we love about one another and the things that you know we've enjoyed being able to do as a family. So that's the first question. What makes your family unique? What's the second question? The second question is, you know, what's important right now? And, and he calls that the rallying cry. And, and one of the things that I think is helpful with this is you know, he, he mentions – you know, for you to look out of the next three to six months and say, what is the single most important thing going on in your family over the next three to six months? Uh, and really trying to dive into what is that one thing? Because again, you know, we all have to acknowledge there's a thousand things going on. I mean, if we really boiled it down, like there's just so many things happening in our lives at one time. But the purpose of this is to narrow down what's the single most important thing going on and then what are the objectives you're going to look at to move that forward um, and so you know for us our rallying cry is we have little Maggie on the way coming in May you know and so uh, there are a couple of things that we have 
you know, laid out for our family that these things need to happen for us to be prepared and ready to move forward with the fourth child. Um, Sarah, I don't know, did you want to talk some about that? Yeah, um, I think something unique about our situation is we, we welcomed in a foster child in August, as Zach said. He was five weeks old when he came to us, and so we have a seven and a five-year-old, and we were kind of um, past the infant stage, past the newborn stage, and so we kind of got a glimpse of what is newborn life going to look like with this next one by bringing in a newborn and essentially having to relearn everything. And so we are getting to look back on that now as we prepare for the additional craziness of a 10, 11-month-old and a newborn in addition to our 7- and 5-year-old. And just thinking, like our 5-year-old, for example, like pretty abruptly lost his baby status in our family. And we would have said there was some like really mature things about him, but now we've realized there was also some some things we had kind of let him get away with because he was the baby. Um, and so I think it looks like shoring up some of our discipline at home with both kids really and like, and discipline maybe isn't the right word, like helping them to learn some independence, helping them to, to shower and get ready for bed on their own and make their own bed. Um, to brush their teeth without being asked and things like that. Um, for our older child who like kind of naturally steps into that role of helper and, and will take responsibility, it looks a little bit more like making sure relationally that she's cared for because she will not really let you know about those needs. Um, and just thinking through like, what is it gonna look like for this to go as smoothly as, as it can possibly go with a seven, a five, a 10 month old and a newborn in our house? Yeah, part of that, <clears throat> back to my YouTube video watching, is, you know, like my garage is a mess. Uh, it really is. You know, like I really started to is. clean it up, <laughs> and then Christmas happened, and it just blew up again. And so, you know, part of that's that needs to be organized so that we can, you know, have room for extra storage and things of that nature. Um, you know, we talked about Gabe, and we're in the process of really kind of listing out so that we have a clear idea of, you know, here are the couple things that we can expect of Gabe because we don't want to be unclear to his communication either. You know, we want to be able to say, "Hey, Piper and Gabe, we expect you when we say it's bath time to be able to get in the shower, you know, and do that." And and we understand we're going to have to teach him more and more, you know, how to do that. You know, already, you know, Piper makes her own breakfast. She gets up, and makes her own oatmeal. She started making breakfast for Gabe and and for Sarah and myself sometimes. So, you know, it's it's getting those things and kind of narrowing down those just those few tasks that we say this would really go a long way in helping us um, you know prepare for that all right thanks for listening as i said we're gonna have the next half of this conversation posted next week but in the meantime i hope that this episode provided you with some food for thought and maybe kind of gets the gears turning to bring some clarity for your family and what your family can target itself toward until next time Zach and Sarah.